Hello, I'm Jeremy McMahon, meditation teacher, Tibetan Buddhist scholar, and audio engineer. And welcome to Meditating with Friends, a podcast where we explore meditation through friendly conversation. Each episode includes a guided meditation that you are invited to join. If you enjoy this podcast and are interested in working with me one-on-one to help deepen your meditation practice, send me a message on Instagram at Mindfulness. Now, enjoy the show. Hey gang, it's your friend, Jeremy McMindfulness here. And yeah, we got another really exciting episode of Meditating with Friends for you today. Uh, this week we talked to one of my oldest friends, uh, Eric Ambrosino. Uh, Eric and I went to high school together, <laughs> so we've uh, known each other for a really long time. And uh, that actually led to some pretty interesting results, I think, with this episode, because we actually ended up talking a lot about me. Um, and I think just because Eric's known me so long, he's able to ask me these questions about... I know, kind of my relationship with Buddhism and how it's developed and how I got into all of this. So, you know, if you're looking to hear that story, that's in here. Uh, Also, uh, we talk about some more contemporary issues, uh, such as uh, Daft Punk breaking up and Kim and Kanye West's divorce. And um, I'm just wondering if there's any other meditation podcast that uh, is brave enough to uh, tackle such topics. Uh, So yeah, again, really fantastic episode. I guess before I wrap up the intro, I should mention that Eric Ambrosino um, is a filmmaker uh, and works professionally as a film editor, and he's done a lot of fantastic work. So you can check out his work uh, below. I've got some music videos that he directed. And also make sure that you follow his dog on Instagram, uh, Miss underscore Beacon. She's one of the cutest dogs of all time. So, all right, that's it for the intro. Hope you're all doing well. Enjoy the show. Where everyone meditates, uh, it's your friend, Jeremy McMindfulness. And I'm here with my, well, I guess my oldest friend on the podcast so far, uh, Oldest in terms of not in age, but in uh, in terms of how long I've known them, uh, Eric Ambrosino. Everybody, uh, give him a round of applause. Hello, you, the, um, the intro music for the podcast should be the Cheers theme song. I think. I mean, I wish it should be me and Bryce's cover of the Cheers theme song. Well, because <laughs> we you say did. where everybody every time you say that, I think you're going to say where everybody knows your name. Oh, dude. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, if I, if I could do it without getting sued, I probably would. <laughs> um, but yeah, so welcome, Eric. Thanks for being here. I'm happy to be on the pod. And actually, um, I came up with the, the idea for this podcast and this specific format uh, on a walk with you uh, through Prospect Park. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna, yeah, um, we were walking and you were throwing around a number of ideas, but they were all somehow uh, in the orbit of this general idea. And then 
I think it was a little bit of like overthinking on both of our parts when we were like, why don't you just meditate with your friends? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we were like, why are we making this so complicated? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why don't you just meditate with people? I was like, yeah, I mean, you know, I could just lead meditations. It's what I do already. And you don't need a visual for that. So here we are. So, uh, you know, it's good to have you as, uh, you know, being being there since you were there when the idea was sparked, you know, and the idea was sparked through our conversations. So, uh, thank you for that. Um, but another thing we should bring up is that this is the first podcast that will be out, uh, in a post Daft Punk world. (laughs) Uh, so how, how are you feeling about that? How did you, how did you take the news that, uh, Daft Punk no longer exists? Well, I mean, it's so funny. Like, uh, they not as it wasn't as traumatic as I, they just don't really they put something out every like 10 years it's it's almost like daniel day lewis <laughs> retiring it's like what does that mean <laughs> yeah yeah. <You> <laughs> yeah i mean i i feel you i mean like you know the, the last album came out in 2013 and i still love that album it's I great know. it's so good I know people are really annoyed with Get Lucky at this point, but like, whatever. <laughs> I mean, hits that are like that big, it's just, you, come on. Like, you, they, they're they like Pharrell and Daft Punk. They're, those like hits are just too, <laughs> too yeah. big to even like comprehend. Yeah, too omnipresent. Yeah. And, you know, of course, well, Eric and I went to high school together and, uh, we both are from Virginia beach. And so, you know, we gotta, we gotta support our hometown hero, Pharrell, you know, uh, and everything he does. Well, maybe not everything, but, but you know, you know, we, we got to show him the love and, you know, it was pretty awesome to have, uh, him be, you know, part of that like huge song that just like took over the world for a little bit. Yeah. RIP Daft Punk. It's, uh, it's weird. It's weird. But yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like I, I'm in the same boat as you is that like, yeah, I wasn't that torn up about it. Cause I was like, I didn't really expect them to do anything <laughs> like, you know, I guess just keep producing like a weekend song every, you know, five years or whatever. Like, yeah. And it's exactly. And it's one of those things where it's like, you know, like they're individually probably going to be producing and that's probably what they were doing anyway, more or less. So I I don't know. It's not like they're just going to, both of them are going to completely stop being involved in music forever. So, but with that being said, I mean, I know a lot of people were sad and, uh, (laughs) Alex, uh, our friend Alex, uh, he texted me last night and was like, uh, he's like, Oh man, I just got really sad about Daft Punk. And I was like, it's okay to be sad, you know, it's like, you know, it's, it's okay. It's anybody feeling sad about it, feel sad about it. Don't try to not feel sad about it, you know, cause that's, you know, that's what we're trying to teach you in meditation too. It's just, uh, <laughs> you know, feel your feelings. Yeah, you should have had uh, you an know. emergency podcast with Alex. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make you meditate now. <laughs> um, but yeah, Daft Punk is over. Kim and Kanye are over. <laughs> uh, and I still think this is my cons- I'm not a I'm not a conspiracy theory guy. But it's 
even though it's funny whenever you like listen to conspiracy pe- theory people and they're always like i'm not a conspiracy theory person they always say that but uh but anyway <laughs> i'm not a conspiracy theory guy but i'm just saying you know kim and kanye get divorced a few days later daft punk breaks up you know i think <laughs> <laughs> i think there's there's a connection there and is the connection that kim and kanye have been daft punk this whole time i mean i don't it's it's entirely possible i think you know it's definitely um kanye definitely, definitely would like sample himself <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if anybody would do that, <laughs> yeah, it would be Kanye. Uh, yeah, but that's you know that's sad too. I guess is well, you know, whatever. Like, I mean, I don't really care about Kim and Kanye, but uh, I guess you know if they're feeling any pain, I. I feel sad about that or feel compassion towards it. Yes, you know, we will send compassion their way. Yeah, and, uh, you know, divorce is always hard. Uh, and, I mean, come on, they had Lana Del Rey, Rey sing at their wedding. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I know, they, they're, they're responsible for some pretty wild, like, cultural uh, moments, you know? Like, I... I I feel like none of this is relevant to anything, but we can just keep going with it. But <laughs> no, let's keep going. Let's keep well, going. I don't know. I mean, the whole Kanye thing where it's like the guys, you know, there's you, you watch these like really long interviews with him, like that Zane Lowe interview. That's the dude's name. Mm-hmm. Zane Lowe. Yeah. And you're like, he's speaking so coherently, but like clearly there's something wrong, you know, there's, there's something yeah. wrong, you know, and we need to respect like the mental illness aspect of it. But it's crazy because he, he never says it really <laughs> So in a forward way that he struggles with this, at least I haven't really heard him talk about it in interviews, but then you hear stuff, tangential stuff about people who are like, oh, he's struggling with bipolar and like all this other stuff. But like he, he like takes it and he like makes it, you know, he's, it's just like God is taking over me. Like I moved to Wyoming mm-hmm. and it's just like the space, you know, he speaks in these like bizarre, like really, really wild uh kind of like uh visionary ways but then you're like it's just kanye west when you think about it you know you get like down this (laughs) like rabbit hole of like oh yeah that's interesting like oh yeah what was he like he's like oh yeah the 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 prequel star wars (laughs) yeah (laughs) i'm like the guy's making good points around here but like uh oh i don't know yeah well yeah that's and then you snap out of it and you're like but it's kanye you know and then it always makes me think of like Oh, when we zoom out and then we look at like Bob Dylan's career or whatever, like when he like, you know, found God, it's like, I've heard, I forget who someone said this, but they were like, yeah, that, that totally makes sense. He was like writing about God <laughs> in this like not direct way, his whole career, you know, there's so much biblical stuff. And then it's like, yeah. Of course, he need he like started to actually need to like believe it, and I always think about that with with Kanye because like if you like Kanye or not, I mean, he's a really incredible musician, and he's made some mm-hmm. incredible music for the time period that he lived in. And there's like definitely mm-hmm. that like Bob Dylan parallel, not just mm-hmm. the like uh, finding Jesus, but in a lot of ways, I think uh, 
Kanye is going yeah. to like when we zoom out, you know, 50 years from now or whatever, we'd be like, wow, Kanye is like one of the most important pop stars <laughs> to ever live. Yeah. Yeah. But I yeah, don't know why I we're mean, talking about this. You can cut all of this out. <laughs> no, no, this is brilliant. This is exactly what I, why I wanted you here is so that we don't have to show that this, that we don't only have to be like, so how do you meditate and all that? Cause also like, <laughs> to, well, to bring it to meditation, you know, one of one key practice of meditation um, is watching the mind, and that's vipassana. And with vipassana, you just sit there, and yeah, you literally just like try to pay attention to your mind and just like watch its natural flow. <laughs> and so here we are; we're just gonna riff, you know, <laughs> like like the mind does, because your mind does this anyway, you know, and like that's that's what meditation is about is about understanding how the mind just goes from one topic to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. So I think it's a perfect, uh, perfect uh, thing for this podcast. Um, but going back to Kanye, um, yeah, like, I mean, yeah, no doubt. Like he's one of the most, if not probably the most influential like musician of the 21st century so far you know, probably, probably a pretty easy claim to make. Um, but it's interesting cause it's, you know, it's like his madness or his mental illness or whatever, you know, like clearly like feeds into his creative process. And it's like, he wouldn't be able to really do what he does if he didn't like think in the way that he does. And you can see that when he talks too, and like even in, in the Joe Rogan interview at one point, you know, Joe Rogan's basically like, wow, it's like crazy how you talk <laughs> basically. <laughs> and, 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 and Kanye is just like, you know, he's like, I talk, I have a symphony of ideas, you know? And he's like, that's how his music is. It's like a symphony. And like, they're all like, they may not on the surface, like seem connected, but, to him, they are very much connected, you know, just as much as like in a symphony, you'd have like all these different parts and all these different sections, you know, playing different musical parts. So, yeah, that's a much know. more articulate way of uh, trying to say what I, <laughs> of, <laughs> of saying what I was rambling on about. <laughs> You're just being Kanye about it. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, totally. But no, I mean, there was this one part in one of those interviews where they're talking about like he's like oh la is so like crowded and uh it's like my mind doesn't feel like i'm like fully able to reach the places i want to reach and he's like when you're out here the the space just like it opens up things in your in your mind and like whether that's like a metaphor or not i do feel like that is a real thing and then know yeah. this might be like an incredibly obvious statement but it's just getting you know, because we both live in the city and when you get out, it's like it does affect your your mind in a way that's like yeah. the physical world, the physical is so connected to our our minds in ways that like you and I have talked about this before, about like yeah. how the mind is like not its own thing, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. It's not like anything separate from, you know from anything really because there is because in reality there is no separation between anything you know it's it's all just uh energy baby uh but yeah i mean i mean we're we're so much you know 
a product of our environment. And like, I know that's like sort of a tip stereotypical thing to say. Um, but like, you know, it's so stereotypical that like people don't actually really consider like the, how true that is and how that is true. Like when we say that, we think about like, you know, like, oh, where I was like raised or like, you know, or where I've lived for like 10 years is like informed me as a person, which to everybody is obvious, but you know, it can go to, uh, to the second by second basis, you know, like the way you feel in one room compared to like another room in your apartment or the way that you feel like in your side of your apartment or house versus how you feel like outside in the backyard or like versus how you feel like in a busy street um, versus how you feel like in a park, like, you know, so it it affects you, you know, pretty instantly. And I think, you know, being aware of that, um, is a good thing. Like, and this is like something that, uh, his holiness, the Dalai Lama has talked about. Cause like with Buddhism and, you know, this idea of emptiness, it's pretty much, it's pretty easy to be like, oh, well, if everything's empty, well, everything's the same. And like, that's not quite accurate, but, um, everything's in the same that, in that everything is impermanent, you know, that in that nothing has a, a truly permanent essence. But somebody asked the Dalai Lama about like, you know, meditation and, and yes, I mean, theoretically you can meditate anywhere. Right. You know, but you know, so they asked him like, why, why would you meditate in a special place? You know, uh, cause you can go off into these retreats, particularly in Nepal and, uh places in india it's very popular or to or auspicious to go on a meditation retreat like near a cave where a great master um meditated so they're like why is it important to do something like that when you can just meditate anywhere and well his holiness was like yes of course you can meditate anywhere but uh the energy of the space will affect your practice. Um, and you know, he was like, compare, you know, a well-kept beautiful house to like an apartment <coughs> where <coughs> a heroin addict lives, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> which one is going to have better vibes and which one is going to be like a better place for your practice. Like it's pretty obvious. So again, it's something I just, you know, tell people to like, not, you know, don't be so overly concerned about like, oh, I have to have like a special meditation place. And, uh, you know, everything it, when I meditate, my environment has to be perfect. Like, don't worry about that too much, but also like, you know, it can be nice to set up like a little space, uh, that you dedicate just to your meditation and, you know, have a shrine and, um, make a few offerings and, uh, yeah, it can be good. So yeah, mm. space is important. And mm -hmm. I mean, you experienced that recently too, because like, uh, you know, you've, you live in New York, but for most of this pandemic, you've been in Vermont. Yeah. It's been a, uh, a perspective, um, that I needed and didn't think I really <laughs> needed, you know, um, you just get so into the um, the pace of New York that when we left, it was 
jarring in a way, obviously because everything was going on. But once I got yeah. up here and was up here for a few months it was like wow i I really needed this and it really did help my brain and it slowed things down and uh you know whenever i go back to new york um it's it's just like oh i love this place so much yeah (laughs) i got i was like you know uh privileged enough to be able to to step outside of it and see it um and like why I truly love such a chaotic, insane place. Um, yeah. But it, it it's it's so true what you were saying, and and I I just like not to bring this back to meditation again because like why would we want to do that? But it's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know that like visualization of um there's so much visual stuff in meditating and I, I'm not, you know, just to like kind of preface all this, I'm not really that like versed in meditation. I don't really know Mm -hmm. that much about it. Um, But, you know, I've been friends with you for a while. (laughs) Yeah. So like, I know. You heard me talk about it. Yeah. I know a lot through, through that, but I also um, had a really, um, interesting, uh, p- professor, at, um, Ithaca college, and he mm-hmm. was very much into, uh, meditation, Brian Caravan. And I believe you met him once. Yeah. 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 I, um, I, I sat in on a class. Shout out to the, to Brian. The, I think he retired, but anyway, you know, if you know, you know, Brian's the man. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, uh, Zach, you know, who was on the podcast, uh, well, Zach, how I met Zach was through Eric and Eric and Zach both went to Ithaca college. And when I went up to visit, uh, Eric, that's how, when I first met Zach and Zach also took classes, uh, from Brian as well. So, and yeah, Brian would always talk about just like these basic things of like, um, I know this is going to sound very like elementary, but you know, there's the like, you're visualizing like a mountain and there's a train that's going by and like each one of your thoughts is like on the train as it, as mm-hmm. it goes by and you just let it go. And like, there's these certain like uh, snapshots of the natural world that like always come to me when I try to meditate try because i'm again i don't have like a a a disciplined practice but it's weird it's like i'll have these flashes of like oh this like like a snapshot of uh like one of them is like the you know the view from the top of the hill where like the college is in ithaca where you like can see the lake and i sometimes Mm -hmm. when i try to meditate that like image comes to my to my head and it's very peaceful and helpful and another one is like I was born in the Berkshires and um, go back often because my family's there and there's like this kind of like hill behind like the house that I lived in when I was a kid. And like sometimes when I meditate that like comes into into my head and like I was going to ask you about this. Is that like a common thing with people like do like landscapes from like your past that seem somewhat like 
not relevant to, <laughs> you know, meditation yeah. ever. Has that happened to you? Is that a thing? Or is this just like a weird, uh, I don't know, thing that I'm experiencing? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's definitely like, it's definitely happened to me before. Um, it's not super prominent um, in my meditation practice. But, uh, you know, I think it's just the nature of mind in that you know, whenever you try to still your mind, like your mind's like, nah, <laughs> like <laughs> here's some stuff. And, you know, um, I think since it's intense visuals, like I would imagine, you know, you are a visual person and you do work in, you know, film. And so you, you have an eye and your you know, your optics are very strong and you really pay attention to that. So, um, it wouldn't, surprise me if that becomes one of your you know if that's uh one of your main distractions and mm, i never thought about it that way and so that's the thing is like i mean i don't want to like poo poo your you know these images that are coming up in your mind and call them distractions because i feel like i don't know a lot of people when they meditate and they're like oh yeah i meditated and then like you know i saw all these colors and like or, you know, these things popped up and they find it really please, pleasant and pleasing, you know? It's like, oh, yeah, that's nice, you know? Oh, wow, so nice. But that's, in the end, that's all distractions, <laughs> basically. Like, uh, so, you know, I don't want to, like, bum anybody out by saying that, but I guess I just got to It's in that it is a distraction. But I'll give you an example for me like, you know, I'm a musician, I'm an auditory person. Um, and so the biggest distraction, the most common distraction I have when I'm meditating is I like, I have a song stuck in my head. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. And so, you know, I asked my meditation teacher, you know, a pretty similar question to yours, except with, uh, you know, the songs. And he was like, yeah, you know, uh, like that's you're a musician you know you have a strong auditory sense it's probably just you know just how your mind is um and for a while like i didn't worry about it the meta like the song popping up in my head but then like i realized i was like no this is actually like a distraction because i'm not focusing on my breath i'm like you know humming along to this tune in my head so, um, yeah, that's what I would say is happening with, with yeah, the images that are coming up. It's fascinating because like this, bringing it back to like why I brought this up of like when Brian would like lead a meditation, um, I mean, first things first, he would always be like, there's no, you know, right way to do this or like whatever works for you you know if it helps you mm -hmm. <laughs> i mean because yeah, uh, he, yeah. he's, he wasn't he was teaching religion he wasn't teaching meditation so he's mm -hmm. like i'm just yeah. trying to get you like whacked out kids to like breathe for five minutes before we start class you know it, it was <laughs> yeah. like whatever works for you works um but yeah, that like image, I guess it's maybe because it was like the train image. And in my head, I'm like, well, what's behind the train, <laughs> you know? Mm, and it's like, mm -hmm. I can't just picture a train like in the black. And so I always would be like, oh, there's like a nice mountain <laughs> back there yeah. or a nice field. And I was like, that's pleasing. And, and I guess I never really uh, realized that um, 
that also is just like gener- a distraction that's being generated. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a little different with like a guided visual meditation okay. because it's like, I mean, for me, I don't teach that many visualiz. I don't teach really any visualization practices, uh, you know, and I don't know. I just like, I, I just felt like that's not really my style to do. Like, you know, there are people that lead a meditation where they're like, you know, giving you and like feeding you meditate or, you know, images, you know, and things to follow along with through the whole time. And, you know, I just, I like to have a silence and, you know, let people, you know, focus on their own. But with a, with a guided visual meditation, I mean, in a way you're still working on your concentration because you are focusing your mind to like make these particular images come up. So, you know, and that's, again, you know, that's pretty much what meditation's about, you know, is about being able to focus your mind. Right. Uh, so, you know, that for me, I think, you know, a guided visualization, you know, of a train. I mean, I don't really get what he was doing, to be honest. Well, I mean, like, I, maybe he wasn't even saying like visualize the train. Maybe he was, I think it might've just been like, um, think of your thoughts like a train or whatever. It's like you're mm-hmm. having this thought, but just watch it go by, you know, let it, let it keep like acknowledge it, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> be like that, yeah. that's a thought. And then there it goes on the train out of frame <laughs> or so right. he was just using visual language to like kind of uh, instruct uh, a way to like exercise addressing those thoughts while meditating. Yeah. And maybe I was yeah. misinterpreting it this entire time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, but there are like those lots of meditations where it's like, you know, now imagine you're on a boat or like, you know, mm. sitting by a stream and like, you know, and again, it's like whatever works for you. And it's like, you know, from in my experience, like those mo- most of those meditations, you know, they're they're meant to promote relaxation. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like the main thing that's the thing. And, you know, for that goal, they're very good at it, you know? Um, but depending on like what your meditation goal is, like, you know, if you're just trying to relax, like, you know, you can do that. But like, you know, if you're trying to build your concentration, um, or like, you know, expand your awareness, um, I'd say, you know, doing more of like a breath meditation is, uh, better, for that because it is more like focused and you are just like focusing on you know your breath or that one thing and also it's like you know you are doing it by yourself uh you know you don't need to have somebody like talking to you or talking you through it to do it um but with that being said you know it's always nice to be guided too so yeah well again whatever works for you no and but it's funny i've never really thought about this i mean i had that question about those images that pop up often for me but this idea of the visualization as a distraction is interesting because even when i'm trying to do the most basic form of meditation where you like count to 10 and then start again you know um, I like see the number yeah. in my head. It's like, it's a one, <laughs> it's a two, it's a three. And I see it like white on like black when I close my eyes. And mm-hmm. I wonder if that is another form <laughs> of 
a distraction. Well, like, should I be counting? You know, I'm always curious about that. Well, it depends. Like, I mean, so I guess we should, this is another thing that popped in my mind when we were talking about visualization, because we were talking about like one kind of category of visualization meditation. And that's like somebody guiding you through like, you know, sort of, uh, you know, an imaginary experience. Um, but in Tibetan Buddhism, you know, visualization practice is like very, very important. I mean, that's what tantric Vajrayana Buddhism is based around is visualization, but it's not like visually being guided through a journey necessarily. It's like generally, you know, visual, the classic thing is visualizing, you know, a deity in front of you or then imagining or imagining yourself as that deity. But, you know, that's really hard to do because <laughs> you're supposed to do it with your eyes open and you're supposed to like actually like use your mind to project like the image floating in front of you. Um, but with that being, and you know, that takes so much concentration to do, but with that being said, it's like you can simplify those visualization practices down to something that isn't well, a not tantric so that you don't have to be initiated into it to actually do it. But B, it can be something much more simple. And I mean, if those numbers are popping up in your head and helping you count, like if the focus of your meditation is counting to 10 and you're, you know, what's popping up in your mind is a one, two, three, four, five, six, you know, like, I think that's fine. Cause that's, to me, that sounds like one of these more traditional, like Tibetan med visual meditations where you're just really trying to like project that one thing. Even if it's just in your mind, I know you're not actually trying to project it with your eyes open, but I think that's fine. And again, it just speaks, I think it just speaks to you being, uh, you know, a visual person. Um, but with that being said, you know, you could try to like do a meditation. Well, a meditation that I practiced for a long time was, was a meditation using sight. And basically I would, I had a key and I would just like look at the key and that was my focus of meditation. So I wasn't focusing on my breath. I wasn't focusing on sound. I was focusing on a particular image. Uh, and that's a completely uh, valid way to meditate. And of course, you know, tr traditionally in Buddhism, you could, you can use like a sculpture or a statue of a Buddha as your focus, but you could really use pretty much anything as you know, as a focus for your visual meditation. And it's just the same as the breath. It's just every time you get distracted and you're sort of like not really focusing on it anymore, you just bring your mind back to the image that you're looking at. That, I've never heard that before. <laughs> um, yeah. That does a key. I don't know. I guess my mind just wanders already being like, what do you start thinking? Are you trying to not? think about other stuff and just like yeah. look at the yeah what is like the objective to just just focus just, to focus. just like work in those muscles just yeah just focus and and like there was no real significance to the key the only reason why i picked it was cuz i always had it on my keychain mm -hmm. so i could always just like pull it off and put it on the ground and look at it um, and it was a relatively simple shape too, which was another good, like another, uh, thing that my meditation teacher suggested me, you know, when picking an object, you know, so it was really not supposed to be any like particular significance to the object, but yeah, you just look at it, 
And yeah, you try not to let your mind wander. And every time it does wander, you just bring it back to the key. It's interesting because like with the breath, it feels a bit more, you know, it's a visceral, like a feeling in your body. And you know when you're not paying attention to your breath. But like, yeah, looking at the key and like really trying to focus on that, it's, yeah, it's a different experience. Hmm. Maybe I should try that. <laughs> yeah, maybe you should, uh, you know, just because you are, since you are a visual person, you know, like uh, traditionally in Buddhism, they have like old, you know, like uh, Buddhism, uh, like in Theravada type style Buddhism, uh and like to the time of the Buddha, they had like these meditation discs that were like very simply shaped and like, you know, it might be colored, but those were used as objects of meditation too, that you would just look at. And again, you know, it's not meant to have any significance in terms of the shape, but, uh, yeah, it's just another thing to use to focus your medit uh, to, for another object to use to focus on. And I mean, that's the thing too with meditation and so much of meditation is about the breath and the breath is great because it's like, you can always have it. It's always there uh, for you. Um, you're generally breathing. <laughs> uh, so like, but some people that's not the best for them. And another meditation teacher I had, you know, when she started meditating, she, uh, she had asthma. And so the breath was like, you know, focusing on her breath was pretty anxiety inducing, uh, cause she, you know, it's just something that she's always like kind of struggled with and worried about. And so for her, uh, the practice that really got her into meditation is actually focusing on sound, you know, so just sitting and like, uh, yeah, just, just listening. Um, so you can really use any of your senses as a basis of meditation um, it's just, well, you know, breath is easy cause you're always breathing sounds breathe easy. Cause you're always listening sights, pretty easy taste and smell. <laughs> I haven't quite figured out meditations <laughs> for those yet, but I mean, theoretically you could, but like, well, there's always I don't like, know if you do. Uh, um, when you go to like a Tibetan, um, I don't know, like, they the, there's like a smell to it you know what i mean though like when you and i uh, well yeah it smells like incense dude yeah, and i mean yeah. like you know and uh you know living in india and nepal and being around that i mean that's so powerful for me um just i triggers, actually yeah i actually today um there's funnily enough like i feel like no matter where i go i always like find some Tibetan people or Bhutanese <laughs> people and, and, and like, you know, I moved like when I first moved here, uh, to this apartment, I went to a health food store and I walk in and there's a Bhutanese flag and I was like, Oh, <laughs> it must be Bhutanese. And so what's awesome is that they have, they have this really, really good Bhutanese incense mm. that like, you know, like, like for a long time they were out and I kept going back and asking them for it. And they're like, Oh yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's not like they really imported. It's just like he, the guy was like, Oh, I'm just waiting for my uncle to come back to, from Bhutan to bring some, you know, so that we can sell. <laughs> so it's like, I, you know, it's, I don't think you can like order it online or anything like that, but it's all so good. I'm burning some right now. And yeah, it just takes me back to, uh, to the Himalayas. Um, and, uh, 
Yeah. I mean, I think, well, what that's a part of and what you're hinting at too, is that, you know, when you said Tibetan and then trailed off, I think you're saying Tibetan temple, right? Right. Uh, I was like, like, wait, I feel like there's a more complex name. (laughs) No, there isn't. Well, the Tibetan name is Lakong, which, uh, when literally translated means a God house, which is pretty cool. Uh, but (laughs) But so the, it, there's a Tibetan temple and then, you know, more specifically inside it's, you know, it's a shrine. It's what mm-hmm. you would call right, a shrine. Right, right, right. And, and uh, the shrine really is meant to overpower your senses, you know, um, and there's and what's how it's set up in the shrine is actually the offerings for the gods in the shrine are all based around the senses. So if you go into a shrine room, you know, and you smell that smell, that's incense burning for smell. Um, You know, they when they perform a ritual, uh, you know, there's always music involved. So that's for hearing. Uh, Generally, the sculptures are actually wearing clothes. It's more common than not that they are wearing some types of clothes. So that's for touch. And then you'll see bowls of water, or if it's a wrathful deity, there'll be bottles of booze, um, <laughs> you know, for, for taste, and then also food for taste as well. So it is meant to be a very sensual, like literally a sensual experience when you're in the temple, because uh, even though all those offerings are for the gods, like you're enjoying them too, you know, you get to smell the smells, uh you know, you, if it was a real temple, you know, you could walk up to it and, you know, leave an offering on the altar and like touch the clothes. Um, and then they would eat the food too. It's not like they let the food go bad up there after it's offered. They, they definitely don't let it go to go to waste and they, they feed it to people. So, so, um, you can really use the senses, you know, as, the gateway as the beginning gateway to your enlightenment as it were. And, you know, cause people talk, I don't know, like, I guess people emphasize the idea of like how you can't trust your senses <laughs> in a lot of ways. But, you know, again, uh, they're at the very beginning stages of, of Buddhas of, meditation and buddhist practice it's like those are the things that you rely on um to further you down the path well it all goes back to the physical (laughs) you know yeah it's like uh this idea that when you reach enlightenment or whatever you're in some other realm or but you're still like in your body (laughs) and you're yeah it's like you can't you don't have anything without your your body this is all like um I don't know. I'm sure there's much more complex uh, stuff that you even stuff that like very, very advanced people don't even know um, that's like separated from the body. But I imagine that like the body is a part of all that advanced practice, right? Like, I mean, when you become enlightened, it's your body still involved or like what what's the deal with that yeah uh that's (laughs) that's a good question i mean well yeah i mean that's why you know buddhism they emphasize the precious human body you know is that because the human body is really the only form that you can 
uh, become enlightened in. Um, and that's mm, why, right, right, right. I mean, well, like most, I mean, most religions say suicide is bad, but Buddhism in particular really emphasizes that suicide is bad because it's like you're destroying an opportunity to become enlightened, basically. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's these, well, the thing is when you become enlightened, it's like, yes, I mean, you are dependent on your corporal form pretty much until you become enlightened. Kind uh yeah, this is going to be, there's a lot of facets to this question. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, because like Buddhas, they say Buddhas can like, you know, emanate like bodies um, uh, in different places and different times. And so like you know, the Dalai Lama is an emanation of Avalokiteshvara, the Bodhisattva of compassion. And, but he's not the only one. It's like, um, Avalokiteshvara could like, you know, have many emanations at once. Uh, so as a Buddha, like, yeah, like they'd say you do have this ability to sort of like spread out your body you know, and project your like kind of consciousness into the like different, um, into, you know, like different universes and like different realms. Uh, so you could take forms in different realms all at once. Um, and, and even in, uh, Tibetan Buddhism, there's, you know, there's these ideas of your consciousness, um, you know, like the Bardo and the Tibetan Book of the Dead, like how, you know, you don't have a body in that period between death and rebirth, but if you know how to do what you need to do, you can become enlightened in that instant. Uh, so that would be a case where you're not really dependent on the body, but you previously came from a body. So it's still pretty important. And actually there's another... Uh, practice in tibetan buddhism where actually you can eject your like if you're about to die you can eject your consciousness and like put it into another body like either animal or human if you go like far enough so to me that also speaks to how important the body is you know because you do need the body in order to practice buddhism but i think once you get to that point of like full buddhahood like you you do you can kind of mess with our typical laws of physics <laughs> and <laughs> cosmic laws uh, when it comes to to the body but they also you know and that's what in tantric buddhism i always describe tantric buddhism as being it's a very physical thing and that you're sort of you're visualizing uh these gods so that you are literally transforming your physiology you know into that of an enlightened being mm. so yeah and then there's the three bodies too that all buddhas have the uh dharmakaya nirmanakaya and samogakaya and uh that is basically like what means worldly body there's a worldly body. So like how the Buddha appeared in our realm is like, oh man, I think it's Nirvanakaya. 
I need to brush up on my Buddhism <laughs> terms, but it's one of them. Uh, and then, uh, and then, yeah, I think Nirvanakaya is the uh, is the earth body, worldly body. Uh, Samogakaya is the enjoyment body, and that's like what um, a Bodhisattva is like. It's sort of you know this kind of royal priestly or princely form that's like wearing jewelry and like it's got clothes on and it's got a cool crown and then there's the dharmakaya which is like the inexpressible inexpressible like form of buddha that like pervades the whole universe you know it's like the the yeah it's like yeah the formless buddha um that you know we're all actually a part of already we just forgot (laughs) so yeah there's a lot of a lot of a lot of stuff when it comes comes to the body but i mean i think that's you know buddhism does talk a lot about the mind and but again i think you know in meditation discourse in general there's an overemphasis on the mind and it's like you know it is to me a physical practice and you know ultimately at the end of the day and buddhism would say this ultimately at the end of the day there's no real distinction between like the body and the mind yeah no it's just listening to you talk makes me it's just like um very uh what's the word um the way you talk about this stuff makes me want to read more about it. <laughs> you know, cool. like, I'm like, God, there's so much I don't know that's just out there that I uh, feel like would really be beneficial, not just to me, but others <laughs> and the people that yeah. I interact with. Because, well, uh, yeah, you know, like, it's just like one of these things where when I hear you talk about this stuff, I'm like, oh, God, what a, what a why am I not reading more about this? There's so much out there that just, there's so much out there. That's yeah. so beneficial. Um, yeah. And I'm just lazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, like, you know, it's just cause I have like a particular neuroses that made me like, you know, be like, Oh, I need to find and like, you know, like I'm only doing this cause like I've experienced suffering, you know, in a lot of ways. Uh, and so like everybody has, but like, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I do wonder sometimes about like, you know, like ner- knowing all the different bodies of the Buddha and like all this stuff, like can also be sort of a trap, I think. And I mean, for a long time I was, I was studying this stuff, you know, without actually practicing, um, you know, uh, cause like I, I took a very academic approach for the, to this stuff for a long time. So like, you know, I've, I've learned a, a lot of knowledge, but like how much wisdom have I gotten? I'm not quite sure. Uh, from just like studying that stuff. I mean, some, but like it's, I mean, ideally I think you want both is like, you want to have like, you know, your Buddhist practice, your meditation practice and like, you know, if you want to study Buddhism along with it, like, then that's great. But like, you know, I just know like a lot of weird facts about like Tibetan Buddhism that like, <laughs> like, are they actually helping anybody become enlightened? Uh, I don't know. But, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's, I think it's fun. I like it. Uh, and I'm allowed to geek out about it. So, yeah, you know, like, and you went like, 
so deep into this stuff in college. Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, you were so hyper specific about the stuff that you were studying. Cause I remember you were, you would like talk about like, uh, like a thesis you were writing or whatever. And it was just like, so insanely <laughs> specific, <laughs> it's like, uh, really, you know, for all those listeners out there, Jeremy's done his homework. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, my senior thesis wasn't even about Buddhism. It was about Bun, which like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, like, I just felt I'm like, it says something about me that I like, I just had to go like, I've, I've always, I've always felt like I've had some kind of connection to like, Asian culture like you know like I like Chinese stuff when I was a kid you know and and you know there there's this whole you know motif in our culture of like you know particularly white people getting into Asian culture mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like for a lot of kids uh you know our generation it's like the path into Asian culture was like anime right right <laughs> And so, and which I dabbled in, never got taken too seriously, but I certainly dabbled in it. And uh, I just went, I was like, I want the most obscure, like <laughs> complex, like hardcore thing. And for some, you know, I stumbled upon Tibetan Buddhism and I'm like, oh, wow, this is like so crazy. And then wait, there's this other religion in Tibet that uh, called Bun. And so that's what the bun is, is the alternate religion of Tibet. And so that's what I wrote my senior. What it's even crazier is I wrote my senior thesis about how that relates to Iran, (laughs) 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 which like, like, uh, I mean, I just, I didn't have, you know, the link still don't have the linguistic like capabilities to actually do this, that topic justice. but. I've as and you know a lot of people were like okay like <laughs> that's kind of weird you know and and the reason why I chose that topic was because Bun says that their leader their founder came from probably Iran or like near Central Asia um but with that being said you know I've had scholars um this one guy in particular that I can't remember his name, but he's, he's, he doesn't uh, get a shout out. no, I, I need to look it up because he's a super cool guy, but he's, he's like an Iranian guy who got a PhD in Tibetan studies. And he, I saw him speak at Columbia, uh, presenting his whole thing about like the connection between Iran and Tibet. And you know, I, so I went to the, I went and saw him speak and I was like, this is awesome. You know, this makes me feel so good that I was like actually on to something here. Mm. And then I came back. I was when I was still working at the Rubin and I came back to the Rubin and I saw him in the cafe and he recognized me and I was like, Oh, Hey, I came up and started talking to him. And I was like, Oh, you know, I wrote my thesis about this. And he was like, Oh, yeah, I actually read your thesis. 
because uh, <laughs> you can google there's it there's like so little amount of crazy people out there that have written about this stuff <laughs> yeah yeah and like it's uh yeah so it was pretty cool that to have him be like oh wow you wrote it uh you know and i mean there is legitimate because we when we talk about tibet you know this is me putting on like my tibetan scholar hat um fully and it's like when you talk about tibet it's always like in relationship between like it's either like india and tibet or china and tibet and it's never like iran and tibet but there's definitely uh evidence there's definitely contact between iran and tibet um and uh one of the examples of it is that you know tibetan tibet actually had an empire at a really formidable empire um about like the six to eight centuries they're one of the three major powers in central asia fighting for territory at the time and the other two were china the tang dynasty and then the arabs uh so they definitely like were there and had contact with iran and you can actually find one of the most solid evidence uh for like cultural exchange between Tibet and Iran is actually found through the art. And if you look at a lot of, it's part of the reason why I really love early Western Tibetan art. Um, you'll find like certain Iranian motifs um, within the artwork. And there's actually, the Ruben actually had the sculpture of, of uh, Varochana Buddha, who is, uh, what they call a primordial Buddha. Again, he kind of represents that in, in inexpressible Buddhahood that pervades the universe. And he's dressed like an Iranian king. And so like, it seems like Tibetans even base some of their kingship off of Iranian culture. So there's, uh, there's a whole, a whole field waiting to be discovered um, of tibetan iranian uh relations uh or cultural exchanges and so anybody out there um pick it up pick it up it's a good topic it's coming it's going to be the next hot topic in tibetan tibetan studies (laughs) (laughs) tell you what yeah yeah um what what was so funny too about this dude yeah he's actually a filmmaker too that's like his main about this dude yeah yeah Yeah, right this this all sounds very familiar um right right, yeah and you know when I was talking to him about it, he was just like, he's like, yeah, you don't need a PhD <laughs> like to study this. He's like to do this. He's like, it's not worth it. Right. right don't get right. a PhD. Yeah. He's like, you can just, you can just learn what you need to learn. And like, you know, I would have to like, I feel like I'd have to quit everything and like spend like the next five years of my life, like studying languages, which I'm not <laughs> quite ready to do yet. Maybe. <laughs> so so yeah who knows uh but uh yeah it's it's it was really you know it's my my passion when it came to to tibetan studies was like finding those connections between tibet and iran and i feel like in high school you know i was thinking about this before we hopped on to chat and i was like i don't really remember how you got like how this all came 
up. Like I I don't remember like when we first met, I don't remember you being that into this stuff. Were Mm. you? And we just didn't ever like talk about it. I mean, and I guess to give some context, you were two years ahead of me in high school Mm -hmm. and we became friends in high school. Um, and, uh, I don't really remember us like having conversations about this, but maybe we did. I just, I don't remember a point where like all of a sudden, like we were into this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I was always into it. I mean, I definitely was like into it in high school. Um, You know, I wasn't like practicing so much, you know, like I really wasn't, but like, you know, I, I dabbled and I was like really into, I'd always been like just fascinated by religions in general. And so like anything like religion or philosophy or whatever. And, you know, like, I feel like we, but like, we can't, we talked a lot about this stuff in Mrs. Racine's class. Yeah. I, yes, 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 yes. Um, so I think like that parabola. was a big thing. <laughs> Yeah, Parabola magazine, which is which was funny because like the head editor of Parabola like was one of the Tracy Cochran uh, was one of the people that we would have at meditation or lead meditations at the Reuben all the time. Oh, right, <laughs> so right, yeah, yeah. So it's just funny that like you know this magazine that was like you know kind of uh, you know pretty big in terms of like my introduction to like you know world really world religion mysticism you know higher thought type things was uh you know you know and then i like got to see her every week yeah because um, it was that like houston smith right like yeah that was like an early thing that mystery scene was like <laughs> turning us on to yeah uh, and she like talked to us about like joseph campbell a bit yeah. too and like right. you know all those guys and and then i mean you know it really crystallized i'm sure it crystallized for me you know after uh going to bhutan mm-hmm. you know and so our high school cape henry collegiate <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i love the association is gonna love this baby but uh uh yeah cape henry collegiate uh had a program uh where they do these crazy trips for seniors you know basically you know and they'd be like trips to unique places like the first year of the program they went to cuba and this was like in 2004 you know which you couldn't really go to cuba at that point uh so for my class and then subsequently eric's class the trip was to bhutan um and we were the first at the time it seemed like it was kind of like a normal thing (laughs) you you know what i mean like the fact that flu hardy that this existed it was just like oh yeah what's your scene what cool country are you going you know in retrospect it's like that's insane like we were so lucky (laughs) Yeah, we were so lucky. And I mean, like, yeah, uh, you know, that might have been why, I don't know, when you went to Bhutan, you might not have been as gung-ho about it because you're like, oh, you know, they're already been here. <laughs> no, we were super stoked about it. Like yeah. Nathaniel and I were just like geeking out the whole time. <laughs> but, I, but I remember, too, you telling me that you thought you liked Dharamsala better than Bhutan. Did I say that? 
Yeah, uh, which to me, I've also lived in Dharamsala, and to me, that's just crazy. I don't, think, <laughs> I don't remember saying that, but I might have. Yeah, um, uh, I mean, it's it's Bhutan Dharamsala was the coolest place. Bhutan was like speak of like speaking about like places that evoke calm. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> My I God. literally. I literally got like really giddy and like woozy when I first went to Bhutan and I was just like, I remember being in the bus and just like, just kept being like, I feel high. I feel high. I feel high. Like I just kept, I bet I was like annoying everybody. Cause like I kept saying that and it was just sort of like, Whoa, man. Like, but yeah, it's a powerful, powerful place uh, to go to. And yeah, I mean, that's I, it's got to be that. Like when I went to Bhutan, you know, that was when I was like, yes, you know, this Buddhism, Vajrayana Tibetan Buddhism is the thing I want to know about, you know. And then I went to college uh, at William & Mary uh, in Virginia, and I majored in religious studies and like focused on that. Um, and then of course, studied abroad in India and Nepal uh, during my junior year of college and then went back after I graduated from college. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, that trip to Bhutan really, really set me off on this path. And, you know, if it wasn't for Flu Hardy, who uh, that was the teacher that put these trips together, uh, you know, who knows what I'd be doing now? <laughs> not, it was probably not doing a podcast talking about this. Um, oh, man. Yeah. But um, yeah, anyway, man, I mean, I think this has been a dope conversation. And uh, it's funny because I, yeah, I kind of wanted to do an episode about just my, me, like on my own and just talking about my background because I get like, you know, if somebody finds this podcast, they're not going to know who I am. But uh, I feel like we covered a lot of ground. <laughs> yeah. Would the, you like me to just keep going? I can keep uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Bringing I mean, up things from your life. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, maybe we should do, save it for another time because we're already at, at like an hour. In, but oh my why God, don't we meditate? Well, yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh, man. Woo, baby. Yeah. This is, this is, uh, this is how I become the Joe Rogan of Bushwick, <laughs> even if I don't live in Bushwick. <laughs> it's inevitable. It's so inevitable. Yeah. Cool, but we should meditate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess. I guess. Um, but uh, are you set? Uh, well, let me let me ask. Yeah. When when you have meditated in the past, uh, how have you normally meditated? So. Even though I've played sports my whole life, I'm a really not flexible person, like to uh-huh. a point where it's alarming. Um, and so even just trying to cross my legs causes me to be thinking about it constantly. So mm-hmm. I've typically tried to sit either on the floor with like a loose kind of like crisscross Um or I will sit in a chair with like my hands on my knees or up or, or you know, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, that seems to be fine. And I, I remember Brian talking about that and being like, oh, yeah, there's types of 
meditation where like you can't move <laughs> or whatever and you'll yeah. like, get in trouble if you move but like don't even worry about that <laughs> you know yeah, just yeah, try to yeah, be comfortable yeah. yeah um yeah that's uh i think that's the way to go yeah if it's sitting cross-legged it's not working for you sitting in a chair is fine you know with your feet on the ground uh i would just say yeah if you're gonna sit i would just make sure that you have your feet firmly planted on the ground okay so you said normally you you do you count to 10 um <clears throat> i would say for the most part that's probably the most common thing that i do again i am not like a experienced <laughs> yeah meditator by any means um but that's typically if I'm like, oh, I should try to do this more often. I'll just like start with doing that. Okay, cool. Well, um, then for this week, why don't we do the body scan meditation? Yeah. And uh, so for those of you that are listening, of course, you are in more than invited to join um, and uh, encouraged to join. Uh, I would even dare, dare I say. Uh, so... If you're going to be joining us, you want to be sitting, again, in chair uh, or with your feet firmly planted on the ground. Um, you can sit cross-legged if you want. That's totally fine, too. Uh, you can feel free to meditate with your eyes open or closed, uh, whatever is most comfortable for you. And we're just going to be moving our awareness or our attention to different parts of our body. Um, and it should be about 10 to 12 minutes. So... All right, uh, Eric, you ready to go? Yeah. Cool. All right, at the sound of the bell, we will begin. So now we will place our awareness on our feet. Just noticing how our feet feel right now in this moment. Maybe they feel warm. Maybe they feel cold. Maybe you notice particular textures touching your feet. However your feet feel right now, just recognize that and become aware of that part of your body. Now we'll bring our awareness up to our seat where our body comes in contact with either the ground 
or the chair we're sitting in. Notice how you are held up and supported during your practice. Now we'll bring our awareness up to our belly. Begin to notice the subtle movements of the belly as it follows the breath. bring our awareness up to our heart, to that space in the center of our chest. Feel in to this part of your body and become aware of it. up to the shoulders, checking in with this part of our body. Just notice how your shoulders feel right now in this moment. up to the back of the head, feeling a part of our body we're not often aware of.
All right, now we'll bring our awareness back down to our feet. Noticing the textures that are touching them. Now we'll bring our awareness up to our seat, feeling the support. Next, we'll bring our awareness up to our belly, feeling its subtle movements. bring our awareness up to our heart, feeling that space in the center of our chest. Next, we'll bring our awareness up to the shoulders, checking in with this part of our body. And now we'll raise our awareness up to the back of the head. bring our awareness back down to our feet, 
next, we'll bring our awareness up to our seat. Next, we'll bring our awareness up to the belly. Now, we'll bring our awareness up to the heart. Now, we'll bring our awareness up to our shoulders. And then, We'll bring our awareness up to the back of the head. All right, in just a moment, I will ring the bell, ending our meditation session. Once I ring the bell, I invite you to join me in a bow dedicating all the merit we've accrued today to the benefit of all sentient beings. <clears throat> all right. So how was that? Well, it's all about the effort, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just super distracted. It was, I was like, I needed to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 You know, I'm like, I haven't meditated in a while and I was just like, wow, you know, it's like a uh, very out of shape. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope it still felt nice. Though. No, it was great. I meant that yeah. like, it's, this is like very good. Cause I'm like, oh man, it's like, this is so important to do. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. you don't realize how cluttered your brain gets. Yeah. Cause you don't stop. <laughs> Especially now. I mean, I don't know. Just even like just being on a computer all day and like, you know, being so like focused in this kind of like virtual interface and virtual world, you know, I know, especially since, I mean, 
we're kind of in the same boat in terms of when it comes to editing, you know, you're doing your video editing, I'm doing my audio editing and, you know, you got to spend hours and hours and hours staring at a computer screen and it's, it, you know, can lead to a certain level of detachment from, you know, your physicality. And so like getting back in touch with that is, is really important. Yeah. It's just like, it's like working out too. It's like, you don't, it's can't be lazy. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I'm like, man, I try to work out every day. I'm like, why don't I just take the 10 minutes to try to do this every day? <laughs> right. Yeah. And I would, I've been suggesting this to lots of people lately, but I would suggest doing your meditation after your workout, mm, mm. like just, just tack it on at the end, yeah. you know, you're already doing it. And then also it's like, I feel that, you know, it helps your meditation and because it gets kind of, you know, tires you out a bit before you sit down. You're in a, yeah, you're kind of like already in like a somewhat altered space. Yeah. And I mean, that's what originally yoga was used for or the like, asanas the body postures of yoga were to like prep your mind for sitting meditation mm, i didn't know this yeah so uh you know i think you know it doesn't have to be yoga necessarily but i think that's a good you know a good technique uh is to do your meditation yeah if you're like again it, it's good to just tack it on to a habit you know that's already there mm -hmm, like so mm -hmm. You know, and you don't even have to do 10 minutes after your workout, you know, like try to do, you know, like five or something. If, if like, if you're really rushing and you're like, ah, oh, crap, like I don't have 10 minutes, like don't try five or three or two. Yeah. Or, but it's like rushing for what, <laughs> you know, like what, well, I, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, why don't I just do this? Like, what about, what it's more, what do I have? What go, gotta go like watch TV or something, you know, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's a, I'm yeah, like, I'm on, always man. like, come on. And that's like a kind of, I mean, my default mode is to rush and I'm like, oh, it's like, ah, I'm, you know, on to the next thing. But I'm also like, why, why do I, why am I in such a hurry to get things done? You know, like. Gotta slow know. it down, baby. That's, that's uh, our motto, right? Yeah, <laughs> it is now. <laughs> slow your roll. <laughs> uh but yeah man that was uh thank you for practicing with me today and that was a great conversation and uh thanks for for highlighting you know my my exploits of the past <laughs> <laughs> um but uh before we conclude i mean we didn't re even really talk about you know you or what <laughs> you do <laughs> <laughs> but uh you wanna you know you wanna give a, a quick plug to anything uh for like the one person that's still listening to this at like yeah. hour <laughs> 12 yeah. uh no no not really i mean i don't know yeah no nothing okay I got nothing well, to plug. what about your dog's instagram oh yeah yeah go follow my dog's instagram uh miss beacon <laughs> that's uh that's quality content right there all one word miss underscore beacon i believe um okay yes and uh yes i do uh <laughs> direct <laughs> things and edit things and <laughs> produce things if uh you know i don't know i i i have a nine to five job but uh I'd like to do 
fun projects on the side when I have the time. So if anybody yeah, you know, yeah. wants to collab on a music vid or anything like that, you know, I'll plug that, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Eric is a, uh, he's a fantastic director and, uh, you know, he's made really great music videos and I'm sure we can, uh, you know, we'll include some of the links if you want to check out a bit of his work. Uh, but yeah, thanks so much for being on the show, man. Thank you. Uh, thank you. This is incredible. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure you'll be back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll do another uh, another one. We need more warm up before our uh, our uh, our Nick Cave podcast. <laughs> oh right, yeah, I forgot. That's we what I'm going. plugging. I'm plugging our yeah. podcast that doesn't exist yet. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, for for all of all of my fans out there, you know, let me know if this sounds like something that would interest you. It's that uh, Eric and I were planning on doing a podcast where we're going to go through all of Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds specifically, uh, all their albums one by one and talk about them and uh, yeah, and have a great time with it. And it would lead up to the, the newest album, which of course talks about Buddhism, but I'll save that for another time. I'll save that for the other podcast. Uh, your funeral, my podcast coming soon. Yeah. Yeah. Your funeral, my podcast. <laughs> uh, streaming. I wonder what the crossover is between Buddhists and Nick Cave fans. I feel uh, for me, it's I Matt mean, from, from, yeah, it's Matt Beck. Oh yeah. Shout out to Matt Beck. Yeah. <laughs> this is the episode he's been waiting for. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, I mean, to me, it makes sense, but I don't know. To, oh, no, to other definitely. People. I mean, yeah, I should have Nick Cave on the podcast. Yeah, let's get him on. <laughs> let's get him on. Yeah. Uh, all right, buddy. Well, uh, fantastic talking to you. Um, take care. And uh, yeah. Yeah, dude. Wanna- thank you. Thank you. Do I need to do anything with this? Like, do you need. Like, do I need to save anything or like uh, send this? I mean, I'll send you this uh, this uh, voice memo uh, in like a Google Drive because it's probably pretty big. But do I need to click anything or can I? Do I just X out of this? Well, hold on. Let me stop recording first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, bye bye everybody. <laughs>